Hey y'all, welcome to the podcast. This is Blair Sinta, and this is Recording Drums with me, Blair Sinta. All right, today uh, we're talking to Pete Corpola. Pete is the kind of young, uh, now established, but I guess you could also say up-and-coming L.A. film percussionists. Um, he has infiltrated the scene, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, He's working with all the heaviest composers. Uh, his resume reads like this. The Lion King, Spider-Man Far From Home, Jumanji 3, Spies in Disguise, The Addams Family, Doctor Sleep, Ready Player One, Men in Black International, Christopher Robin, The Predator, Ferdinand, Lego Movie 2, Onward, Call of the Wild, Mandalorian, Star Trek Discovery, Lady in the Tramp, blah, blah, blah. All right, you get the idea. Um, Pete's working. And he's doing some of this from home. Uh, and he worked through the pandemic, um, working from home, and uh, Pete and I worked a little bit together with Josh Groban, that's how we met. Um, really great guy, incredibly knowledgeable at, in, in many different styles, uh, ethnic, ethnic percussion, um, he's got a lot of cool things to say, and the fact that, you know, I always find it fascinating, uh, percussionists working from home on on film uh, because it's a totally different beast than recording drum kit for songs. It's just a different approach, um, sonically miking, um, uh, you know, sonically capturing percussion. All right, so pretty cool interview with Pete. Um, all right, so my class uh, drum recording expert spring session is happening. It's starting April 19th. It's going to run for six weeks. It is a two-hour class, one one time a week. So you get 12 hours instruction, um, and we're going from top to bottom, from tuning drums, picking drums, picking cymbals, to miking, different variations of how to mic, why to mic, uh, where to mic. Um, uh, we're going to talk about getting big sounds in small rooms, uh, which is a challenge for a lot of us uh, home recording drummers. Um, we're going to talk about EQ, compression, how to send files, how to deal with budgets, um, everything, top to bottom. Uh, so, starting April 19th, you can check it out on my website, all the details, um, questions that you have. Uh, I, got a, I got a lot of testimonials from previous uh, students who took the class. Uh, went really well. So check it out on my website, BlairSinta.com. And of course, all my courses are for sale, Snare Sound Bible, uh, Improve Your Groove, and Introduction to Recording. All right, let's get to the show. Wait, that's a Mark Marin line. Uh, yeah, it's my, uh, uh, like, converted studio room. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I basically, I build a room within a room. Okay. And then I... In your house? Yeah. Okay. And it's it, like, unless a, a, an airplane or a, a helicopter or something like that flies over, I really don't have to do new takes. Right. So it's, it's that quiet. Cool. In... Um, in um, I had a friend of mine who's built a lot of, uh, or a lot, but uh, uh, quite a few home studios in LA. 
who came by and I hired his help in, although I, I did most of the work myself. Uh, he did come and give me extremely valuable consultation, how to do it right. and how not to do it. Because, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure all of us who have dealt with building a home studio, you know, you start asking people, what did you do? How did you do it? Or you go online and it's an endless, yeah, endless rabbit hole. Right. And, and what, um, what he was the best advice that I got from is like, don't float your floor because I would have to cut in the concrete. And he's like, well, you know, that might cause other problems later on because it's LA. Yeah. Earth moves. Um, and unless you're, you know, playing loud bass or maybe kick drum or something like for drum set, it might be one thing, but for percussion is really uh, it's yeah. not going to make them big of a difference in and yep. uh and same thing with the ceiling is like you can you're unless you really really put a lot of money in reinforcement in it you can't put too much weight otherwise it's going to start pulling your roof down right. so it's like well do this do that do that and this is how you get the same results within like five percent and in that extra five percent, you're gonna spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. And is it at the end of the day, is it gonna give you that big of a difference, the end results? Right. Because the sound going out the floor or the ceiling is less uh toxic to people usually, right? As opposed to just around. Right. And and in my case, it's more the sound coming in. Mm -hmm. I Fair enough. Especially yeah. the, the the roof to ceiling, like it's it's to me it's more the annoying. Like if there's a dog barking or something, I hear it. And like early on when I hadn't done all this soundproofing, I had like you know like kind of Mickey Mouse did. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a bird that I don't hear when I'm <laughs> recording. Right. And then you know I have ten tracks or something, and I'm editing and about to send them off, and there's a bird. Yeah. And I can't take that out. And one time I had a, I had a, um, a cricket in the room that oh, I didn't hear while I was yeah. recording. And, and it was a, like a two day project. And the next day I came back. Oh. So I had to go and recut. A, and then of course that's on, on me. Right. I can't it's charge anybody for that. So it's your time. And then how much, um, so how long have you, when did you build this? I built this, huh? This particular version may be four years ago. Okay. So I've had versions. Ah. In, you know, like before I converted it into this way and like built the room within a room, I had made what I can or was able to afford at the time. So yeah. I've had home studio for a long time. Yeah. But, and it was fine. It was just the fact that that I would have to take a lot more time because if there was noise from outside, I would have to yeah. pause it for two minutes or five minutes or whatever. Yeah. And anybody who has done it, it gets really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar process. I had a, I had an old studio in Burbank in my uh, first house and I built it like, you know, a third of the budget that I used to build this. But that, but I knew when I built this one, I was like, okay, I got to do it right. So I don't have airplanes and dogs and whatever. And for me, so 
if I need to be out here super late at night, I'm not going to like the neighbors are not ever going to know, you know, right. And that became the, one of the most important things. Um, did you, have you spent much time on the room itself inside sound wise? Um, I did. That was the uh, same kind of thing. Like I talked with a few different engineers and, uh, Again, it's my garage has concrete floor, and I was going to put a nice wooden floor. Mm-hmm. And um, I had just done um, a TV show at, at uh, Henson B. Uh, right. And that has uh, the story that. that, yeah, the story that I know is that it was, they were remodeling it. Uh, Tom Petty was going in to cut his album. Mm-hmm. Henson was running behind, so the room wasn't finished. And Petty was like, I got to come in. And so they went into a half-finished or, or three-quarters finished room. And it sounded incredible right? because it has the concrete floor. And because my room is not that huge, um, I can get the reflection of like a really hard floor if I need like an aggressive a uh, 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 tom or a bass tom or something like that, that type of sound. Yep. Or I can put carpets in or, or rugs and be fine. Yep. So I left it. I just I just put a treatment on it so it's not just raw uh, uh, concrete. Right. And then uh, I got some light baffles that I put on the on the ceiling. Okay. And then I had these, as you can see, the uh, the, the 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 squares, the yep. foam squares. And basically, I just put them up there to see what happens. Yep. So I, and this was, I I was trying to get my friend who helped me design this, or, you know, who gave me advice. I was trying to get him to come out and tune the room. Yeah. But I, he was traveling a lot and then COVID happened. So I haven't had, we haven't made it happen, but this room sounds fine. Right. So as of right now, it was just kind of a lock. Right. Right. And and I it, I I think I'd like to think what I do what I have to do at home is that because it's not that huge the, the room style can be controlled. Yep. Yeah. I pretty much what I when I record is I have a stereo overheads. Okay. And then and I have a uh, uh, a Royer SF12 which is the stereo microphone I, I yeah ribbon i use that for either clothes or i use that for room yeah in 95 percent of this the, the stuff i do that's it okay oh wow and it, okay. It, of course depending on what instrument like if i'm playing congas or something i'm gonna add maybe you know 57s or something right just to have really close one option Mm-hmm. But I rarely have to go past six mics, and it would be stereo overhead, stereo ribbon, and then maybe one or two close mics. Like if I'm doing a concert bass drum or low toms or something like that, I might put something close. Right. However, most of the time, what what it's for, even like if if I'm doing something uh, on the uh, the sound stage, scoring stage. It's rare that they put anything like super close for what we do. Okay. They want they want that distance yeah. more so than the kind of insane massive. Difference. Yeah, the massive like right 
superhero thing or whatever, right? Yeah. And then if I'm doing, you know, toys and shakers and that kind of stuff, it's the same thing. It's then I have the overhead option or the closed mic. And because the, the way the, the, the Royer is, it, it goes both ways. It's a figure eight. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a stereo, so it gets the kind of the backs of the room too, mm-hmm. which gives you enough of the, I guess, the 360 image or yeah. is, is that the term? So, so far, I don't think every, anybody has ever complained about like, I mean, early on, of course, there was, you know, I didn't have uh, yeah, learning this and that, right? yeah. but, but the last few years, there's never been anybody like, hey, I don't like this, or can you change the mic positions, or I like, so it's, it's in, and I'm the type of person who, like, I'm very <laughs> obsessive about gear, mm-hmm. but more so instruments, for, like, I'm not an engineer, I don't really have a desire of being an engineer. Uh-huh. So I want microphones that I can put up uh-huh. and go. Yeah. I because because versus for like like I was listening to you uh, your podcast um, whenever you've been posting them in in usually you know the drummers talk about like well I changed the kick drum and I changed this and that mm-hmm. um, but you still record the whole drum set. You don't record one thing at a time and then change the like like grims every take I do, I have to change yeah, everything. Very different process. Yeah. So it's so time consuming already. Right. That uh that I'm trying to help myself out yeah. by eliminating extra moves and like like I try to keep the overheads pretty much at the same place. Mm-hmm. That's the like one my, on your right, right there. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just uh, Neumann KM. What is it? KM one eighty four. Yeah. KL okay. KM. KM. Yep. Yeah. KM one eighty four. That's uh, and I did. I talked with a lot of people mm-hmm. about what to get and mm-hmm. and for the the money. Yeah. Those are for recording percussion. Those are really, really spot on. Like you could get Sheps or you can go, but even then it's like, well, is the, 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 the fact that it's double the money, are you going to hear it? Or is it, is it really going to change the difference? And, I, and probably at some point I will get more uh, different options. Sure. But uh, money is going more toward, more, more toward instruments at this point. A variety of sound, right? Yeah, right. I I I think that it more like if something comes back, it's more about hey, you have a different kind of instrument more so than hey, you know, instead of yeah, diamond right. overhead. Can what you was change that microphone? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. In in and I have Millennia preamps. Okay. That is, it's super. Uh, 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 quiet. There's no color and there's no noise. And same thing. I talked with a lot of uh, uh, engineers about that, and I mm. I talked to a lot of other percussionists who have home studios. And in in for, and my understanding is that like a lot of producers and, and engineers, for example, Neves, they prefer that for album recording because mm. it has a specific character. Mm. Film is a little different. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't want to color the sound that somebody can't take off. You just want clean, like clean, precise, and then they can process it. Exactly. However they need to. Because the way I see it is that if we're not going to Sony or Warner's or Capital or something like that, United, then you already understand that it's going to be a different budget. We're mm-hmm. dealing with this, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be as good as possible. Mm-hmm. But then I'm not going to have five or eight different pro uh, uh, preamps for you to choose from. Right. Unless you really insist, and then you know you, the, the client can send that over. Right. But but from my perspective, is uh, my money is spent better on on instruments yeah. variety of stuff and then i i have uh, apollo x6 that i got mm-hmm. and i used uh, apogee for a long time right and same thing i never had any problems uh, apogee was it was a little noisy at times and then there's little connection problems at times towards the end uh so but then then the apollo came out and said it only has six channels that's what i have I probably will expand it for, you know, maybe two more channels. Yeah. But say, my room is not that big either. Like after a while, it's like, well, right. Uh, you know, if I start adding room mics on top of whatever I already have, it's like, is it going to make a difference that that cannot be uh, uh, done in post-production with the right. plugins and everything? Right. You're not, your room's not going to get any bigger or sound any different with more microphones. It's like. Right. Are you usually moving to the mic or is the mic coming to the instrument? I'm usually moving to the mic. Okay. So you're kind of stationary where that is and you will, whatever, if depending on the size of the instrument, obviously you're going to come to that. Yeah. I, I, to me, it's faster to, to set, like I set the overheads and if, you know, if the instrument, you know, if I'm standing and playing and of course I'll adjust the, the mics up and down. So Depending, like, I think I usually try to leave, like, three, four feet yep. between the instrument and the overheads. Yep. And then uh, uh, the, the close mic, again, it might be a close mic, or, or if it's a louder instrument, I'll use it as a room mic, the, the Royer. Yep. And in the same thing, like, uh, even then I would plan ahead as, like, okay, so all the instruments that I will need the room mic configuration I'm going to do them back to back. And okay. then all the instruments that I, I think I'm going to use close mic, they were heads, I'll do all those. So I don't have to go back and forth and every time adjust the, the yeah. preamps and everything. So on a particular session, you cut, you're going to know, you know, more or less what instruments you're going to use and you're, you're kind of mapping it out mentally. Like, okay, I'm going to do these things first because of partly because of the mic configuration and then right the other things later right i i yeah that's what i usually like at least a rough plan like yeah. and and i rarely get any charts what i mean there's times when i do get uh very specific charts okay but i usually this, make a sorry, plan like sorry to interrupt is this at home you very home. rarely get charts or in a in an actual studio warner's or well home Okay. 
if I'm if I if I well usually like if if it's a film or TV, then it's very specific charts. However, there's always the yeah the unknown. Sure. Like there's times like like we we were working on Mulan uh, that came out whenever it came out year two years ago. Yep, somewhere two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was funny. There was what I think five symphony plus five or something like it was a it was a good size percussion section uh-huh. in in um we had so much gear we were at sony like the whole back row and it's a it's a huge room uh-huh. there was gear everywhere and and um brian kilgore was the principal in and the you know the composer walks in and is like we have stacks of music and everything's super detailed and it's like okay throw all that out <laughs> cool okay let's You're figure like, out Ooh. okay <laughs> let's let's hear let's hear uh okay what drums do you have and he's like you know we all played something and okay you use that okay let's add something like this or where's the okay we need some chinese higher toms and okay wow. then we would take the charts and yeah we would kind of make an arrangement out of that chart like, okay you guys, you play the top part, and you guys over there, you play the the bass drum part. In but it was very much like a living, breathing, creative scenario. In but that doesn't happen often. But it's great when it does happen. Yeah. Do you know why in that particular case, the composer did that? Like, had it written I, in the first place? I think most of the times, my understanding is that. There's temp tracks, and then there's oh. there's the the uh, program temp tracks. Yeah. So a temp track is something that that the the director and the producers might use wh- when they're shooting and cutting the movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they use most of the time they use existing music. Yeah. And then this is composers, every composers' dreams. I mean, a nightmare scenario when the director gets so married to the temp track, mm-hmm. but it's already existing music from another movie. Right. And they're like, well, I want this. So when you start writing, then it either sounds like you copied somebody right. or you, it's, it's a sound alike or, or your copyright infringement or so. So my assumption is, is that in that particular case, there were temp tracks because they shot that movie for like three years or something. Yeah. So they had existing tracks. Then somebody, composers, uh, uh, assistant or somebody programmed right. stuff based on the temp track. So it's similar. Yep. And then when we were actually recording, it was like, okay, so let's figure out how this doesn't sound like you know, whatever you get your from from your sample libraries, mm-hmm. um, and, and and real quick, like there's a, there's a moment two three years ago when when all of a sudden we all like we started getting these scores, yep, and there's few movies we did back to back, and it, they all had like you know a huge list of instruments. All of a sudden, there's a bombo instrument, which is like the 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 tom tom type of a a, a drum. Yeah, and and we're like, well, this is very battle superhero sounding music. How is it that 
you think that Bombo Bombo is gonna even fit the the sound world, or how you think you can get it to cut through? Yeah, because it's gonna get buried under bass toms and concert toms and tycos. Just frequency wave. Frequency and even even the attack. Even attack. Okay. So, and we were all confused because it started, and we would always send a bombo. And the composer wants to hear, and like, oh, no, no, let's not use that. Let's, you know, let's pick another instrument. And then I found out that there's a, uh, a sample library. I, I asked somebody's assistant, it was like, hey, is there a new library that came out within like a year? And sure enough, okay. there was a library that had come out that had bombo in it. But it, it had nothing to do with the bombo. It was almost like a low timbali versus uh, like mixed with the uh, a, a concert low concert tom. Okay. So it was oh, really aggressive combined sound for a sample. But somebody somebody just labeled it as a bombo. Gotcha. Right. So we're thinking like, oh, they you know they're exploring some uh, uh, folkloric instruments here, and but but the. Most a lot of the comp not the composers, but their people who work for them, their assistants, they might have no idea what these instruments are in real life. They just have a library and they find something. Oh, this sounds good, and they label it bombo because the library, the sample library, says bombo. Right. And then in our end, it creates this kind of confusion, like, yeah, like, like, what do you mean, like, <laughs> so, yeah. And, and a friend of mine, uh, Wade Colbert, who's a great uh, percussionist, um, he was recording marimba at some session. And the the people were coming out of their lock, uh, their their little you know their cubicles. It's like, what is that instrument? Oh, that's a marimba. They wrote the score on a keyboard without knowing what marimba is. Oh. Interesting. So, so, which, which is, you know, uh, this, this is the, the current reality we live in. <laughs> uh huh. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and another friend of mine, he was recording something and he was replacing the samples and he, he was playing a cabasa and he got into an argument with them. They're like, that's not a cabasa. And he's like, I'm, Holding a kibasa, they had something else from the sample, uh, sample library. Right, right. Just labeled whatever. So, right. Yeah. In yeah. um, so again, sorry, we got sidetracked. But right, so right, in right. in on some states, usually there's music that I you know we read. Yeah. Home, it's it's most of the time it's I get the tracks in if it's if it's uh, 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 you know like pop or rock or that kind of music. Or, or like rhythm music yep. with the rhythm section and stuff, most of the time I don't, or they might send me a right. bass chart or something like that. Okay. But it's fine because then it makes it faster for me. to like, okay, well, I think they want this, 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 and yeah. I'll double check like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. What do you want? Do you want me to proceed? Right. And I kind of figure out this is, this is going to take, like, let's say they say we have a budget, you know, the, the three hour budget. So this is how much I can do in three hours. Right. And, and does it sound good? And then either they say, yeah, or no, or they have suggestions or they like do whatever you want. 
Right. You're talking and, about for, and, for film or TV. Or, or even, it doesn't, even if it's like a, a, an album. Okay. So an album, you, you work in a three-hour block when you're at home. You kind of keep that same principle? Yeah, it just makes it easier. Okay. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's an indie project. Right. And, and or I'm helping out a friend for, you know, somebody's, it's a passion project or something. I'm not going to charge them for three hours. You know, you. But in you general, know. do you you try to work on that kind of? Well, uh, you know, the kind of union rates, quote unquote, and also those kind of time blocks. You you like to well, work, you, work that way. Yeah, I mean, union or I mean, for film or TV, then it it needs to be you know contract union contract. So right. that's just how it makes. But but if I'm I'm like like if it's an album. Mm-hmm or somebody's recording and you know one song or something then it's it's then it's more flexible okay like i can i can help out so then i was like well if you can pay me for two hours like i two hours would be the minimum that i would charge okay because it's just as you know it takes time to do everything not just play yeah, I mean, for me, often the most time is actually spent setting up, getting sounds, and then uh, getting the tracks ready to send. And the actual playing time is probably a quarter of that. Right, and and that has been the the issue with the with with the when we work from home, uh, and and again, like the union scale for film or TV is like like it, it's technically if you're home it's a double scale if you are you know, technically you are the section leader oh right of course and, but also also to help out because you're now the engineer and you're just so i didn't realize so the, the union recognized that because my you know i do one union session a year with what i do mainly you know what i mean so right. I, didn't, I didn't realize that union was actually thinking in those terms now that's interesting. Yeah, and during during COVID, because everything was so weird, there was an exception made. Like you can do regular to the single scale. Okay. And but it's just it's just it, because it's so time consuming. I prefer not to do uh, that much film or TV from home. Okay. Because it gets expensive for the client. Yeah. Because every, you know, every overdub, every double, everything, you know, it, it adds up. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it keeps it easy. Like, like I did uh, a TV show called Clarice. Okay. And we like did the whole Lambs spinoff kind of thing. It is. Yeah, exactly. So we did the whole season in, in one long day. I think we did like a triple, like three, three hour blocks. Yep. And, and we did it with with the uh, uh, audio movers. Yeah. So the engineer was connected to my uh, uh, computer, mm-hmm. and and it was a lot faster that way. Right. But it still takes time for me to make any adjustment adjustments and everything. So, uh, so it, again, if I if I do stuff, uh, you know, a film or TV from home. And it's it needs to be on on the contract. Mm-hmm. It's obviously then it is a three hour block. Right, that's what it has to be. Right, you know if I'm doing an again 
send this passion project, I'll do it an hour or two. Right. Uh, but so then I, to make that go smoother and faster, I map out a plan. Like, okay, let me do all the shakers and tambourine and, and this and that first. And then I'll look. And sometimes if it's two or three songs, I might do like all three songs, all these instruments first, and then come back to conga drums or bongos or something for all three songs. Right. So I don't have to move the microphones around that much. Right. Okay. Super engineering to a minimum. Yeah. Right. And I, I did, I did uh, another project during COVID which was challenging because there's a lot of cues in uh, every queue had six to eight passes. And they all went from like, you know, little toys, shakers to dolls and big drums. Right. So I think I did one cue at a time. Because there were so many cues and there was uh, charts were very detailed and there were little tempo changes and everything. Yeah, it probably would have taken me longer to do it the other way because if twenty cues later I can't buy, come back to the first one, I'm starting from from scratch. I don't remember what this what the cue was anymore. Right, and if I have to do that five six times a, ro- a, a in a row, yep. I'm going to be so confused by the end of the day. In, but it, it it took a long time to do that. So in that case, are you on Pro Tools or Logic or what are you what are you running? Uh, mainly Logic, but I do use Pro Tools. Okay, so in that case, where you're you're being asked to do something with tempo changes and things like that, are you being sent the session with that all mapped out already, and then you're sending the session and the audio files back for each particular yes. one? Yeah, then I just send the whole session back. Right. So okay. I don't I don't even. Uh, uh, export the audio. I just sent the oh, whole session back. Okay, right. So, so literally, you could do one cue at a time, or one instrument almost at a time, and then send it off, or batch send it. Technically, off. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think usually, you know, I would do three hours or six hours or nine hours, yeah, and then send everything that I did. Right. Uh, uh, I did that day, and then the next day, I I do the same. Yep. Yep. And that obviously makes it so much faster if I have, uh, well, you know what, sorry, I'll take it back. If they send a, a, a charted, like tempo changes and everything, that makes it faster. However, they don't know how to label the instrument, so I still have to go through all that. And then I have to figure out how am I going to label the instrument so they understand what is happening. Mm-hmm. like room versus close and or yeah and yeah. if it's if it's you know a, a medium shaker versus low shaker versus because that too like it's i think it takes a little longer but if if i do let's say i do a pop song and they want to shaker a tambourine i'm going to give them two i'm going to give two different options for shakers i'm going to give them two options for tambourines just sonically yeah Yep. Not necessarily always for tambourines, but at least for shakers. Yep. Okay. And it's faster for me to play the song twice. Let's say it's a four-minute song. Yep. Instead of sending it, and they're like, "Ah, did you have another? Do you have another shaker? I have to go back and do it again, and then send it." So I rather waste that time—not waste, but use the time in that moment. Understood. Yep. Yep. In in and also like, let if I'm doing conga pass. 
a lot of times I do two passes. I do one that's just more or less 95% solid time. Mm -hmm. And then I do another pass that, you know, it moves around a little bit more. And, you know, there's maybe little fills and little, the little action. And so then they can chop it up however they want it. Yeah. But the same thing, like I, I don't want to, to have to go back and like, oh, the conga truck is too busy. Can you right. pull it, can you turn it down or vice versa? Like, oh, it would have been so great to have more. Right, right. It's, yeah, that's an interesting. It's interesting. The percussion world versus f- like full drum kit world is so interesting because in a certain way, the drum <coughs> drum kit world, you know, you, you possibly doing, you know, 10, 12, 14 mics at a time, so you have all that and you've kind of made all these sonic choices and you're going to give a couple passes, but in your world, it's different because it's almost easier to give some options, but at the same time, when you start layering more percussion, it becomes more complicated faster because you have Absolutely. multiple mics on each instrument. And Absolutely. I, mean, I was talking about this with MB Gordy and it was like, for me, sometimes I'm like, like I've done a little bit of that here. You know what I mean? And like immediately it gets, it gets complicated fast. Like you're like, you know, you could be running like 36 tracks with just a few instruments. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and even then like, okay, so which, which it's, it's, uh, it's in a way it's like, I know you've talked about this with other guests before is like when you're home you have the luxury of experimenting mm-hmm. you can try different things because you're not on somebody else's dime per se like i can take five or ten minutes just to try something out that i would not charge the client for right i can't do that if we're in the in a in a, in a studio because i mean we can't but a lot of times there's not that luxury right so so it's creatively it's very fun and like i can buy wacky instruments and it's like oh i know exactly how to make this work if i have time to mix it in and let the client hear it but in the and and sometimes in the, in the room with a lot of people they're like oh that's not gonna work let's move on so you can't start the conversation like well but if we record it like this and they're like oh you know this is right. A <laughs> hundred bucks or two hundred bucks a minute. Come on, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move. Fuck up. Let's let's get let's go going. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but absolutely, like, like sonically, like how much low end you're recording, how much mid range you're recording, how much high end you're recording, and and then are they at some point they're gonna start canceling each other out? Yeah. So how are and, you dealing with? I don't want to cut you off on that point, but how are you dealing with like low end in your room and also size of the room just um, with certain projects where if you're doing it at home, but it needs to be like super big and a lot of low end and things. Are you, are you, how are you, well, are you working with that? Stuff? Um, there's two main things that I, or three, I think one is that the drums cannot be too big. Like even a concert bass drum, um, I think maybe 32 still works in this room. 
okay. but I would never bring a 36 because it's just, there's no space for that sound. Sure. Most of the time I have a little 26 inch okay. old Ludwig with calf heads mm -hmm. and I don't play that loud. Right. So playing a little softer, I put, and the third thing is like, I do close mic the bass drum. Okay. And I don't, I don't know if I do it from the, 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 the play head, playing hand batter or the, the reso head. Yep. I don't have a system. I try, I go, I, I'm almost like a, a kind of like a dog chasing a car. Like I, I literally like, I live in the moment. Yeah. Like I hear the track and it tells me something or I get inspired or something. Right. And I'm like, ah, this might sound cool. And I'll try that. And, and so I don't like, I don't have a specific system. Like this is where I put the bass drum. This is how I mount it. This is how I might. Right. I, I, I'm so not that guy. Right. In, in, um, cause I, I focus on the, the, the music side and the playing side and all that stuff so much more. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's just, that's my personality. Yeah. So that is one thing that that I think like, and I might EQ it a little bit. Sure. Again, all the tracks I sent out are ninety eight percent raw. Okay. Right. I do a little bit of adjustments. Like if there's a weird frequency, I might you know boost the low end a little or or cut something high end or something. But it's very minimal. Yeah. Uh, on every instrument, and usually like like most of the the toys and shakers and i don't have to do anything okay like i that i figure out like okay, if i have the overheads here and the close mic here and that's why i like the combination of ribbon and the 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 neumanns is because the ribbon is so warm sounding anyway uh -huh. and it, it for percussion it sounds great the triangles everything like that it cuts the harshness off automatically okay uh, but if you want that brightness than the 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 neumanns are or whatever overheads i'm using that's going to capture it yeah um so that is one thing where i do make sure that it's controlled and and then mirroring with the track that it sounds yeah uh, uh something like it fits right and again like like if if somebody wants me to play taiko at home i can bring big taikos because it, it, it would just kill the room. It's no room. And it, yeah, it starts sounding smaller. So sometimes I might have to cheat and use another Tycho sounding drum just okay. to give the effect of of the the you know the attack. And or I and, and I play with mallets and sticks a lot. Yep. Like because usually Tycho's are played with you know it's just a wooden bat. Yeah. Yep. But I might have something that has. Uh, a little bit of uh, um, like material, some, like a different something, yeah, like felt or like a hard felt bass drum mallet, or or even like medium. But sometimes I end up using like uh, marimba mallets or something. It's just it just depends like what, yeah, yeah. Or if I'm doing two or three passes, and another thing that I do like uh, uh, is let's say I do four passes of. Tycho. Mm -hmm. It's the same rhythm. I would, I would always at least two of the takes would be 
different type of stick. Sure. Okay. If, because you're layering. Yeah. Because kind of just because I'm not gonna have I'm not I'm not gonna have four tycos in my room. Right. So if I have two different drums, right. I would do one pass with one stick. Yeah. And then another pass with another stick, and I might have to put something on the head to change the sound. And a lot of times I do one pass leaning with right hand, another pass leaning with left hand. Interesting. So you're sounding like a section. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very right hand uh, strong player. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when I do it left hand, it's automatically going to be, you know, a little, little off, off, but off it's, in a good it's, way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, I do move the drums around. Like in that case, I would not use it. I, I would move the drum in the room. Okay. So you get at least a little bit of difference Variance. in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, a little cheat if not, you know, like a bad cheat, but, but in a way to, to serve the, the project. Do you, do you find that like, um, I would imagine you're one of the younger guys in, in the film world doing this stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're, you know, I'm sure there's guys that have been around a long time that never really were working at home. I'm guessing. Do you find that like your experience of doing this stuff at home and having to figure out these types of solutions, number one, do they carry over into big, big sound stages? And number two, do you feel like it gives you like a bit of an advantage at all? Uh, good question. Or maybe just, maybe just get up sense of like, you know, maturity, musical maturity, because you have to understand these things at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. It it definitely carries over in the sense of, of, of me having more, uh, uh, a variety of tricks or like, Hey, this drum doesn't look much, but if we do this, you're going to be, you're going to like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a, a, a good concept that, that comes out and develops, especially when you're layering track. It's like, well, <clears throat> if you do it this way, it's going to be an overkill. So why don't you this, you know, two or three drums like this, and then add something else on top of that, that <clears throat> like, like, you know, metal chairs or plastic buckets or something that gives you you still get the rhythm but it gives you a completely different sonic mm-hmm. uh, 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 frequency mm-hmm. uh, however not to say that these haven't been done in the film world before because I'm, I'm sure everything has been tried out Sure. so it's not like I'm reinventing and I'm like an innovator here Sure. but it does speed up your think thinking process when you when you hit a spot where nobody knows what to do or the composer is like oh this doesn't work mm-hmm. and there's a question mark so then you have ideas that you can say okay let's try this mm-hmm. however you have to be very careful that you don't open up a pandora's box it's like like then the whole project or the, the composer or the the crew gets gets uh sidetracked mm-hmm. and that's really because 
if it's a section, there's a principal percussions. Yeah. Who's basically he, he or she sends or they send the, the instruments. Mm. They get the they assign the parts who's gonna play what. Okay. In in the the norm, the the, the tradition is that if there's dialogue ideas are bounced back and forth, we always go through the principal player. Okay. There's a so high like, and it's and yeah you step on people's feet. Yeah. But but there's a reason for that. It's like obviously, you know, you need to respect the, the principal player's relationship because usually they have a relationship with the composer okay. or at least, you know, the, the contractor. So you don't wanna step all over that. Okay. But also once everybody starts spewing out ideas, because everybody has ideas, then everybody's going to get confused yeah. and nobody knows what's going on. And it slows the process down so much. Okay. So the best way to do is that like, even if I have a great idea or I'm seeing the Titanic going down, I'm like, Oh, I know how to save this right now. Right. But so I would still go, and carefully whispers like, Hey, you know, this might work. Right. Or I, you know, you want to try that, but even there, you got to be careful. Like, you know, everybody has ideas. You don't want to be like, like, Hey, check me out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and people have been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they might know most of the time they know something that you don't. Right. Which is an interesting thing too you're like well this guy's been around a long time he's seen he's seen a lot of things also right and there's like a a, a, a colleague dan greco who's uh, who's in an, has an had an incredible career and he is he's he's, the, he's been the principal for michael giacchino for quite many years now okay and he's 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 very low-key he's very mellow he's he's really nice in and and a, a caring and helping person mm. in but he's been doing this for 40 50 years and his work he's seen everybody come and go and so the wealth of knowledge that that person has but the understanding of how much you how many ideas you start throwing around in any given moment right all those things are so valuable because you're starting to waste a lot of time yeah. When you start like, hey, let's try this. Hey, let's try that. Oh, well, this could be cool. Yeah. And so you have to, as a principal precedent, you have to be really good at editing the people, the players in your section, mm -hmm. and also the engineer and the uh, the composer and the orchestrator. So so you're you're basically like the quarterback of the whole whole session. Yeah. And and if there's a problem, you know what to do immediately. Yeah. And there's a long list of, of incredible players in this town, but there's a short list of incredible section leaders. Mm. But for some reason, the guys who were the section leaders, they were so good at solving those problems mm. that nobody saw that were, were coming. Mm -hmm. And that is, is really, like, ultimately, you always want to save money for for whoever is paying. Right. And it doesn't mean that you save money by not getting paid yourself. Right. But you want to make sure that they have a specific timeline 
this much has this much has to happen within that time period. Yeah. Who's the guy who can make it happen? Yeah, you and why the more you make look, people look good, save them money, the more the more you'll work and therefore make more exactly. Money. <laughs> right. And, and the same thing, like if you you know, if you're a younger player and you start getting into this world, it's like same thing. How much faster and easier you make the principal player's job. Right. Less hassle you make. The more you, sh- the right. more, and maybe the more you shut up, the better, and just do what's do what's told, and then you nail it. That's Absolutely. better than than spinning out an idea and and derailing something or or being ego strong about something. Absolutely, and and for the longest time, I kept reading Modern Drummer articles that are like <laughs> studio guys are like, oh, you have to leave the ego when you get in the room and the ego has to stay out. And like, I never understood, like I thought I understood what it means, but it really is is that, that you're there to, you're a crafts, crafts person. Mm -hmm. You're there to do somebody's Mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. This is not your project. If you want to start your own band, like they say. So, uh, so you need to figure out what your role is. And if I'm in a room, whatever we're doing, the Spider-Man or something that, that, and I'm playing bass drum and there's all this other cool percussion stuff happening and I'm stuck playing the bass drum, <laughs> you know, it might, it might sting for a second. Sure. But then the, my approach is like, you know what, I'm going to play this bass drum so good that nobody has ever played a bass drum better in this room, which is not true, but that's, that's what I, that, 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 that has to be my, my approach yeah. to, to get into it and then to make the music sound the best. And, and because somebody has to play that bass. Yeah. Like they might be cool snare parts or mallet parts or something. And then everybody's like, Oh, I want to play that. Yeah. But there's also the bass drum or the suspended cymbal and something. And I love doing those parts for yeah. that reason is that that they're really important. And I know for a fact that there was there was a, a, a film early on in my career in that 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 world where uh, I got called to do one day for another movie and all I did ninety five percent of the day I played bass drum. Mm-hmm. And the same composer and the same engineer had another huge movie coming up in like two weeks. And just the way I played the bass drum, they called me, I got hired to do the other whole movie because they're like, oh. And it was mostly like whole notes every four bars. Okay. But where I positioned the hit with the orchestra, they're like, oh. That's the spot that we need that guy. Oh, and wow. and it's not because I was like, oh, I'm so great. It was just like the weirdest things can can change your career. Like oh, no, I'm just I'm just been, it could have been it's first of all, attention to detail, getting a good sound, good attitude. You know, you you sat there right. and you did your job and you read the chart and they were like, Hey man, this guy's like nailing it. Let's get this dude because it's right. So, so yeah. And, 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 but to me that goes for no matter what are you doing? Sure. And, 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 
so like don't look down on any gig or any part you're doing and i've done horrible gigs in my life i mean like 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 <laughs> being on stage thinking like how did i get myself into this we've all been there yes right but to me that is part of the whole journey like we have to go through that and i was first of all i always rather play music than do something else sure. and and then i was always i'm gonna learn something out of this gig i'm gonna focus on something and i'm gonna play this gig as good as i can and that has what been one of the bigger learning experiences to me is that whatever the job is i'm like i'm gonna play this so well i'm gonna push myself and it doesn't mean that it was somehow exceptional mm -hmm in any other way that it's just the process happened in my head and we're creatures of our habits. So then I train, I'm training my brain to push myself to that place every time I play music. So like, it's, it's really hard for me to like grab a drum and just kind of not play. Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather not play the drum, like, like, and this, I'm not putting a drum circle down as a, as a, as a, a concept a topic concept in any way this so please whoever is, is listening or watching but for me it would be hard to go to a, a drum circle and and just play like you know like like fake it mm -hmm. so if i was doing a drum circle i would then try to play as good as i can and then inspire people hopefully around me and like get something else out of it mm -hmm. which might turn into uh uh you know if somebody's leading the drum circle they might take it the wrong way right so but for me to like kind of like jam in like in a in a loose term it's difficult okay like i rather than we play when we go full out or don't play something that's a, maybe has more purpose right yeah and but to me like i know there's 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 a culture right now where because of social media and and uh uh, uh the current world we live in is that that players and not just drummers or percussions but in any instrument they're like promoting themselves as like i'm a studio player i'm so and so and such and such without having any type of of uh career mm. like they just decided that oh i'm gonna buy some mics and now i'm a studio drummer or i'm a studio guitar player mm. and to me you have to have a career you have to play club dates and you have to do tours or or concert like you have to have an experience where you can draw from to yep. do studio work yep and and you and brendan you were talking about uh you know how do you play how do you recreate bottom stuff and like how deep you can go into that stuff right and how do you how do you deep you get into miking it and what kind of gear preamps and all that stuff was used to get that but also if somebody wants you to play like bottom 
do you understand the placement of his feel like where he would put the kick drum and the snare or like oh yeah. what did Jeff Bukhara do or like like all these great players why do they sound or why did they work so much yeah in and so what do you do with the like somebody says oh can you pull this snare back a little bit or do they even have to tell you that because you hear the song and you automatically know oh this is where it's going to feel the best yeah. yeah and that to me that's it's not possible to have that insight unless you work as a musician oh yeah for right. years yeah. and 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 played in bands and played without the click track and recording without the click track and hearing that back and it's be funny. like, Oh, we, we had an interesting conversation about this a couple of years ago. Actually, this subject that you're <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's just not like, like, can you play without a click track? Right. And even if you do play with the click track, how solid, like, are you really always there? Like I, I, I do. I mean, I, I I played on this this big band album uh, not that long ago. I was doing overdubs, mm -hmm. and everybody is great. I mean, top notch. And so I was doing a shaker track, and there was some movement in, in the in the in the drum track, and I was like, "Well, I can't play shaker over those two bars because it's going to highlight." The, the fluctuation and I'm not going to be able to do that with the shaker mm -hmm. because then it would sound really horrible. Yeah. Cause so the, I had to figure it. Yeah. If you hear the shaker moving with the time as opposed to having space, right. Or the density of the right. Room, right. Yeah. So, but if I played 16s all the way over those two bars, then it would also highlight the, the fluctuation in the drum track. Mm -hmm. But if you heard the track without the shaker, it didn't sound bad at all. It sounded normal. So it was just because something now there was something mirroring against. Yep. Yep. Um, I, literally, I literally have to do something when we finish. I'm working on a track that I did yesterday and I, you know, I got it basically got it approved, but I did it without the click because it, it's moving. And the artist asked for like a few more fills. But I got to go talk to the producer and be like, look, it moves too much. And the more I put in there, the worse it's going to sound. Because, right. Because just the way it is right now, I'm just moving with the acoustic guitar and it, it feels pretty normal. But like any more subdivision in there and it sounds wacky. Like right. Right now it's going with the vocal and it's cool. It's super vibey. But I mean, that's 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 an amazing insight of like, you know, like space versus density. And if there are minor fluctuations in there, playing less is helpful, right? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that too becomes like when you do, uh, what I found is when I record more and more at home, because it, you're so like laser focused on just what you do and you can detail, you can get in, you know, one beat or bar at a time. Uh, is that then obviously I've come up with ideas like, okay, well, let me do something else here. Okay. Without embarrassing anybody. 
Because mm-hmm. I, I can't be in the room and say, oh, so-and-so is a drummer. He sucks. Those two bars are horrible. I, we can't do it. I mean. Right. right. You can't. That's, no. Yeah. And why would I? And right. it, it, it's going to happen the same way. Like, I'm, I know I'm going to play something and somebody else is going to come. like, what the hell is that? <laughs> but, but, but point is that then how, what do you do in that moment? How do you solve the problem for them without really saying that it's a problem? Right. And also because we live in such quantized world, everything is so quantized. Yeah. Whatever you hear. So our ears have been tuned into like, if you hear something without a click, everyone's like, Ooh. something's wrong. Yeah. 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 So, but, but going back to the whole, in, in, in my opinion is like, if you don't have an extensive career of experience, then that's what you need to be a studio musician. You have to have an experience of playing music and playing in bands and mm-hmm. grooming, like really grooming. It's like, 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 you know, anybody can learn tumbao and congas and martillo and everything. But if they want you to put on a specific feel to it, actual feel. Yeah. Yeah. So is it going to be an R and B thing or is it going to be, you know, some poppy or is it going to be really like Cuban based? Like all these, they have such a different feeling where you put the, you know, are you a little pushing it a little bit? Are you way behind all that? How many, how much stuff you play in between and you're not going to know or get that until you work with great drummers and, and, or great play bass players. And we all know that when, you know, you play with guys and they turn around, like, dude, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And you have no idea what are you doing, but it's clearly it's not right. Right. Or they turn around and smile. Even better. Especially <laughs> when, the, when, when the singer, singer turns around and smiles. That's, yeah. that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think it's my, my, cause I, I, I really, I love soundtracks. I've always loved soundtracks. I've always loved the, the idea of being a studio musician. And I did a lot of, like, a lot of touring for 20 years before I, like, I mean, it's not that I, I recorded this whole time. I started doing sessions when I was 16. I mean, you know. Right. Low budget, low key sessions. Experience. But, Experience. Yeah. So I, I had a, a lot of album recording experience before I started getting film calls. And which helped me to be comfortable in the studio, the click and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, film calls have their own problems and things that make it really scary. Um, but also because I played so much with musicians, with great drummers and great bands and stuff that, that I know that I'm not, I don't have to be concerned. Am I going to be able to find the groove or fit the fit in the pocket? Yeah. And, and I, 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 I don't know, but I kind of feel that that is getting lost right now because people can buy a recording set and they can quantize. Like a, a, a younger player I know, he once told me, he's like, I would never record Shaker more than eight bars because then I'll just loop it and, and it's done. So, yeah. <laughs> then why even do the eight bars? Why just do one shot and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
but but to me like yeah, you're, like you're, I, yeah, I was, you're, you're wasting time by doing all eight bars <laughs> right and i was i was listening to like rocky 2 soundtrack the other day and it's i know steve schaefer played drum set and and uh bob Samitty, who was a great mm-hmm. not retired procrastinist he was in the section and, and i'm sure it was amal richard and, and mm-hmm. harvey joe and everybody but the you know it's dated mm-hmm. but the playing is is amazing and and like like the concept of of all that stuff it's so important and and i i am you know hopefully we don't lose that yeah we don't lose the concept like and like just talking about recording like uh there's specific instruments that record great there might be a specific snare drum that just sounds great mm-hmm. and nobody knows why or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you have something like oh this hi-hats i can use them pretty much almost every time yeah and and then you buy another pair of the same thing and it doesn't sound like that yeah it doesn't have the magic or whatever yeah yeah and um uh, but like i know like symbols like like in a microphone it likes different mics of course but microphones like high-end uh, so if you record super dark symbols, you can't make it brighter. Right. You can dull it out if needed. But like Paiste, for example, I've I've always, without even knowing it, that was I've always loved that particular sound. Mm-hmm. But film too, it needs you know a lot of times it's used to uplift something. Right. And it's funny because a lot of the 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 section work in the film world is similar to being an orchestra. And majority of orchestra musicians are like, oh, you have to have this super dark old case for Piatti. And, oh, you have to have this snare drum with super dry cable snares and everything because that is going to pierce through it and that's the sound. But when you record, when you deal with the microphone and the room and all that stuff, and even the purpose of the music, it's it's a completely different, different animal. Mm-hmm. So to understand why specific type of snare sound snare drum sounds great or or why specific cymbals sound great or bass drums sound great and and you know you might even if it says fortissimo on bass drum you might have to play bits of piano because you get the low end according to the section oh right of 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 course yeah all those things according to the section right the room according to yeah not necessarily hitting the shit out of something right you're, you're just gonna it's just going to choke and it go, it's going to bleed through every mic and then there's there's good later yeah um and like i've been obsessed about snare drums the last couple of years and especially for some reason piccolo snare drum like and there's a couple of drums that i know that i i, I love that sound in my head hmm. but they're they're old drums which are they? so i there's there's i don't even know who made it uh a friend of mine uh, steve Schaefer, he has this he has this piccolo that was a custom. Somebody made it probably in the fifties or sixties. Okay. And then he has a four by fourteen, uh, a uh, Ludwig. Okay. And there's just something magical about those two drums. And I've been on this, this, this mission, and not just those two drums, but there's, I mean, a few other drums, and I've been trying to figure out how am I going to get that particular sound. Mm-hmm. And and it's difficult because 
modern snare wires and yeah. heads and everything is different. Yeah. But but to me it is that important to for me to find and 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 uh uh keep that sound alive and going. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I don't have other drums, but I I want to have the whatever I hear in my head, I want to be able to have it. It's just it's just something that I can't just go online and, and order. It's it's an it's an interesting thing. Um, I think that you're touching on it, and and I think it has to do with style, really. Um, and, and like with with like what a lot of people who work in studio worlds, you know, they can be maybe accused of not having style because they're so adaptable or chameleon like to be able to do a lot of different types of things. But in reality, there is something in in particular that you hear. There are things that you hear that are really connect with you, you know, sonically or whatever. And you're trying to put those things back out into the world that like your sense of sound, obviously musicality, things like that. So your sense of style is being put into, uh, you know, whatever project you're working on. Right. Um, absolutely. In, and, and in the most musical way, not right not, not by forcing it but but absolutely but understanding the sonic choice you know absolutely and that's been it's, it's been another thing like I've, I've talked with many people over the years about this and they're like you know you have this amazing drum or you have this amazing symbol or whatever it is and you play it or let's say you have an amazing drum set and you're so in love with it and and after four bars, they stopped. It was like, oh, that, that sounds horrible. Right. You have something else. And your backfield was like, no, but this, this, is, this, is, this sounds the best. You it's don't understand. <laughs> and, but I've always been. I try to I've say that to every these, client that comes in. I say, you don't understand. This is the best. Right. <laughs> exactly. It, 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 yeah. It really works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And six bars later. <laughs> Next. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, go ahead. But I, I've always been like, like, look, I'm here to get you what you want. Yeah. I want you to get excited because you're getting what you want. Yeah. And and that's why, like, find, for percussionists, find a lot of sticks and mallets and and things to hit and making your own and like all that stuff is, is so important because you at some point you're going to have you're going to run out of the instruments right. but then if you have five or eight different variations of things to play it with even your hands or whatever yeah all of a sudden you expanded the whole range of of what you can get out of these instruments and experiment like like well what if i take this spiral symbol and i put it here on top of a low taiko drum or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but I always like, I never get offended if somebody's like, Oh, that doesn't sound that drum sounds bad. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't mean that that drum sounds bad per se. It just means that wherever we're trying to put it, it doesn't work. It's not right in this, and like, in this moment. Yeah. It's the, Oh, your snare 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 sounds like shit. <laughs> That that comment, but because you, you know that it doesn't. 
in reality, exactly. it doesn't sound like shit. It's just not the right thing for this. Right. Song. And, <laughs> and so, so I'm never like, you know, offended. And, and I, 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 we were doing concert times once for something and, and a composer was like totally shitting on how they sounded. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's fine. And like, Next week, somebody's going to love these drums. Right. So it's not, let's try another setup. Like, let's take take the the single-headed toms, and then he loves those. Mm-hmm. It's just a sonical, whatever. And their expression might be, you know, harsh, or they might not think that, oh, this is your precious drum. Right. They're like, oh, <laughs> I hate it. Right, right. Never I used on eBay one. for four years for this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I, I never take any of that kind of stuff per- personally. Like, I just want you to be so happy that you call me back because I made you happy. Right. And I was able to give you what you need and get you excited and hopefully offer something that you didn't even think that you were looking for. Yeah. But, but, um, yeah. But yes, all that stuff is like, like, no matter how much I love a particular instrument, once, once I hear the music, it's like, well, I know it's not going to fit, so don't even try. You still always have to search the, the, the music. And once you record it, it's there. You can't take it out. So it's, it's different than playing live. You can, you know, a lot of stuff, who cares? Right. Not that who cares, but I'm saying it happens in a moment. If it wasn't the right sound, okay, you know, yeah. nobody died. Different mentality, yeah. Right. And, and so, and I, I think I go through different phases. I get super obsessed over a particular instrument or a particular style of music or something. And then, and then I buy a lot of gear and I find whatever I end, end up really liking or needing. And then I get, I sell the stuff that I don't miss. It. Like for right, calling the drums is my first thing. And like Paulinho and, and, Paulina da Costa and Luis Conte and Lenny Castro were the first guys that I ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I came here because Luis and Lenny lived in LA. Mm-hmm. And, and, well, so does Paulina, but, but Luis and Lenny were working outside the studios a lot more than Paulina does. And, and to even figure out the Congress they used, mm-hmm. what was and, and it, it's still, I mean, it's taken me a long time to find out why their drums sound the way they do when they record. Yep. And, you know, when they were made, what kind of head, what the bearing is. And, and you can go so deep down into that rabbit hole. And, you know, the conga heads are 30 years old. So it's good. Of course, the, the, the Raja is going to have a specific sound versus brand new. Yeah. And, um, but I, you know, I go through obsessive, yeah, in a healthy way. But I do, you know, go down the rabbit hole. Like, well, I need to figure out how am I going to get this sound because this is the sound I want to put out there. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting to me. Um, I, I again, I mean, I always keep I keep coming back to this, but like your side of what you do as a percussionist and and what I do. 
and how similar but different they are, you know, but those obsessive things about like, what is that thing? What is that sound? How do you get that? And in a way, it's it's exactly the same. In a way, it's not. But, you know, in I guess in my mind, I wouldn't like from 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 since I'm not as deep in like film music as you, I wouldn't think that you or or people that are doing film music would be thinking as much like that. You know what I mean? Right. But in reality, it's really the same. It's like, what is that snare on that record? Or how did that guy tune that or guy, gal, whatever, tune that drum or whatever, you know, it's the same sonic obsession, regardless of the the jobs that you're doing. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I've, I've spent so much time, so much money on trying to get what I wanted and needed. And then actually during the COVID, uh, I ended up inheriting uh, 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 a large collection of somebody who retired. Mm-hmm. And that made a lot of things easier for me because I know that I've heard those instruments a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So mm. now I have those instruments. Oh, wow. Literal. In, yeah, literal. Yeah. In, and also, like, like I studied with uh, Don Williams, who's an uh, incredible percussionist and timpanist in town. Uh, in, like, I, when he was, a couple of years ago, he was, he mainly plays timpani these days, so he was selling a lot of his percussion instruments away. Like I was able to get a couple of instruments from him, like a set of uh, orchestra bells and, and a bass drum that I've been around since I don't know, forties, fifties. Because his dad, John Williams Senior, was an incredible drummer who did a lot of studio work, and this is John Williams's dad. Okay. So, so those instruments are part of Hollywood. Wow history so now to have those actual specific instrument not just trying to find the same similar instrument and but of course you know 20 30 years later like taking this long for me to get yeah the instruments that i wanted that's interesting or super cool yeah and i and i i really to me all this this history is really important and the fact that they will keep continue to get recorded right instead of they end up in the in the school orchestra or right <laughs> you know somewhere where they get destroyed like yeah. i i want to make sure that this tradition this sound because hollywood has a very specific sound right. yeah and i want to make sure that 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 it lives on and the instruments that were recorded they still stay in, t- in town and they will be recorded right you know I think that's the perfect point to wrap up on, man. Great. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome, dude. Right? I right. think. I mean, that's like like you know. I mean, literally continuing the legacy, sonic legacy. It's you're doing that same thing, knowing or not, but but you're you're like how to really tune the snare drums and how to get these very detailed things because they're part of the history instead of like, Oh, it's a snare drum. And it just, this is how it came up. Right. Or throw a bunch of towels on it. Cause you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then try to EQ it after. Yeah. 
Right. You know, and then you end up, you know, well, let's drop it. Like, let's drop it down an octave and like all that stuff. Like, right. Right. Uh, in, in, in to me, that knowledge and because uh, it, it all contributes into the recording process. It's going to inspire you play differently. And, and it, like to, in my, in my, how I believe it is like everything affects everything. Right. It does. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Things build off each other. And then that those, those little bits of palette end up creating the whole piece of art. Yeah. If you, if you drop your neon green paint in the middle of it, accidentally, the whole thing could be screwed. <laughs> right. Right. And then like, like, Oh, I, I, I was going to say, like, I've been writing this, this, like, like actually composing jingles mm. for a buddy of mine. who was a jingle company. And actually I think a couple have been used on, on <laughs> commercials, nice. but, but it's been a really weird experience of recording, trying to create a minute and a half percussion pieces that, Mm. nobody can really pinpoint the origins of any instrument. It's funny. I'm doing some similar things, but not necessarily commercially. Right. Just and, but the journey of like, like how to sound like nothing. Right. <laughs> right. Like it has to sound like, what is like, that? Yeah. Who exactly. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you you do it once or twice, it's easy. But when, when you have to do it 20 times or 50 times, it gets really challenging. Yeah, right. Because your creativity, you got to dig. You got to dig. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, but but I like, I, I usually I program drums or at least a kick drum. Mm -hmm. I might do hi-hat and snare right. by themselves Yeah. and have have a kick from machine or, or somewhere, wherever. Um, because I'm not really set up to record drum set and I don't have different kick drums and all that, but it's the, the sonic choice that you make when I choose a kick drum sound. Oh yeah. Then, I mean, yeah, I get, I could go, um, I can change it because it's programmed, yeah. but I don't, I never, like once I, make the decision this what this is what it is and you're building the palette from there yeah and yeah. that one sound affects so much like it yeah. as you know like it can ruin the whole thing if it's a you know, it, it like it can sound really well, weird sometimes i hear a recording and i and i that's what i point in hone in on a ride cymbal or a kick drum sound and i'm like wow why why you know yeah. like yeah so um, um dude i gotta cool. jump i'm sorry i i feel like no i actually have like many more questions for you but in reality i have to i have to run um thanks for having me thank you so hopefully hopefully there's something usable yeah no the whole thing is except those three minutes in there two minutes that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but man maybe after all this bullshit is uh dying down i'll come by and just hang in oh know? absolutely yeah but it's good awesome you, little man great to see you yeah yeah and uh okay you guys stay safe and uh healthy likewise dude all uh, right yeah be safe see you man Talk soon. take it easy Go.